welcome to the Mobile Monger Podcast. I'm your host, Janae Muha. Recently, I took an epic three-week road trip, and one of the highlights was getting to visit shops that are a bit off the beaten track. Thankfully, I got to drive right through Arkansas and visit Jessica Cahey. From engineer to wannabe cheesemaker to a traumatic life-threatening injury and a global pandemic, Jessica's seen a lot in the last few years. Listen in as she walks us through the ins and outs of creating Sweet Freedom Cheese. I'm Jessica Kagi. I am a CCP and a aspiring sommelier and uh, the big cheese and founder owner of Sweet Freedom Cheese here in Arkansas. Um, so a little bit about my time in cheese. I think very much like many people who have fallen into the life of cheese. It was, it was not a direct path by any means. Uh, I am actually a recovering engineer. I got my degrees in engineering and I worked in the consulting field um, doing big construction projects in, in the environmental fields. And I did a little bit of microbiology and a little chemistry and I always found that part of the job really fascinating, but it was definitely not my one true love. Um, and so, I knew at some point that uh, I just didn't didn't want to be miserable anymore, frankly. And I would come home, true engineer fashion, be like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? This is really looming over me. And I would think about it like an engineer. Like, oh, am I going to be a bartender? Am I going to be a airline pilot? Am I going to be a woodworker? You know, and I would kind of analyze each one and be like, nope, nope, nope. And uh, somehow I, I kind of landed on cheese. It was a really fascinating topic to me. And I realized someone out there in the world clearly was making and selling cheese. And that really wasn't happening a lot in Arkansas. And so why, why couldn't I do that? So I got started like a lot of, you know, home cheese makers do by reading some books and, you know, getting uh, some, some cheese making recipes and just trying my hand at it. Um, and I thought this is really a lot of fun. I'm, I'm into this fermentation thing and maybe, maybe, maybe I could figure out a way to make this my career. And so I really clung to that. It, it was just, again, like a lot, I think a lot of people in cheese, this is a labor of love and truly, um, truly a career of fashion, I think. And I, I, I had that ignite in me. And I was lucky enough uh, by the NPR gods to be in my car and, and heard just like the very end of the snippet that there was going to be a cheese making class in Arkansas. Um, maybe the, the best and most extensive one that's ever been here, frankly. <laughs> so I, uh, I thought, oh my gosh, okay, I have to find out more about this. And it was, a, it was an amazing class I held at Kent Walker Artisan Cheese down in Little Rock in 2012. So I took some, you know, my vacation days and I took off work and I uh, went down and took this class and it was held by um, some, some cheesemakers. I like to joke that they got lost in Arkansas, but they, um, they were helping Ken at the time with his newfound artisan creamery. And uh, they're the three shepherds of the Mad River Valley. So really lovely cheesemakers, uh, Dr. Larry and Linda Felice from Vermont. And they, in reality, teach cheesemaking classes all over the world. Um, they had just come from like Mongolia at the time, and then they were you know, headed to Texas. And so they just, they're a wealth of knowledge and really lovely people. And I, I just fell in love. I, I knew at that moment that I, I really wanted to figure out how to get into it. Um, and probably was the most excited I'd been about something I had been in a really long time. And about less than a month later, just a couple of weeks later, I actually, I had 
a pulmonary embolism that almost killed me because um, they didn't really fit the profile of it. And so it went undiagnosed for a little bit too long. And I, I think that really solidified the decision that I needed to not die miserable, frankly. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, as an engineer, I, I tend to always want factors of safety and, you know, there's definitely something to be said about jumping and the net will appear, but I'm, I'm very wary of that happening. I, I'd like to build my safety nets whenever possible instead of have them magically appear. So, you know, I, I didn't quit my job immediately. I took a very long route in, in essentially opening Sweet Freedom Cheese. Um, so we really knew at that moment too that I, if I was going to do it, I probably had one chance, um, particularly from a financial standpoint, to really make it right. And so I, I knew that I didn't know enough really to just straight up open a creamery. And I started to get some more education. So I took some more classes um, from the Three Shepherds. And then I took some time and went up to Vermont. Um, Viac had, had really just closed at the time and Sterling College had started to do classes with um, Yvonne Larche and uh, what I think they called now the School of the New American Farmstead. And Sterling was just really an eye-opener. Yvonne is you know, a cheese magician and um, really helped me realize all the things that I didn't know about cheese from, from really from the chemistry standpoint um, and, and what it really takes to open up a creamery. And I was in partnership with uh, Jasper Hill. So we got to kind of see really just like the world standard of amazing, you know, cheese facilities. And, um, and you know, again, somewhere in between all of that, I was reading a lot about cheese and just trying to, to figure out how to make the transition. Um, I really wanted to make cheese and that was my focus at the time. Um, and there really weren't, you know, very many, very many cheesemakers. There wasn't really any cheese educational opportunity in Arkansas at the time. So I, I just had to keep traveling and, and finding people who would teach me things. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't just, you know, go to the Whole Foods. We, we actually didn't even have a Whole Foods around here until 2016. So I couldn't just, uh, you know, go and learn how to be a cheesemonger somewhere in our community. And um, some, somewhere along the way, I eventually did quit my job. And uh, I, we got a Kiva loan to buy a very, very used cargo van that we took on a trip kind of similar to what you've just done um, and lovingly called it the cheese quest and went around mostly the south and then up the eastern seaboard up to vermont and then kind of back down through the midwest and we visited with um, cheesemakers and uh, at the time it was really really a focus on looking at facilities and you know how do you build a creamery properly and just finding out what people loved and what they hated and you know what they would change or you know do differently and then also cheese shops along the way too, and just trying to enrich our cheese experience. Um, and it was me and a couple of friends and then my husband just switching out every couple of weeks, um, you know, going from places to, to places. So I was really lucky to have some folks come along with me to make that trip and came back. And then, you know, FISMA was happening too. And I, and I'm really big on food safety as you should be as a, as a cheese person. And um, so I went back up to Penn State and I, I got my um, PCQI in dairy there and kind of in the couple of years between the Cheese Quest and actually opening the shop, um, I, I put forth the business plan and I knew nothing about opening a business, nothing at all. I never hired anybody. I, you know, never done payroll. Um, so I took some classes in, in doing that at our, our um, small business center here at the University of Arkansas. They helped with the business plan and kind of planning out the financials of how do you cobble together all of all of these loans to actually open a business. Um, and then we started looking for property, which was, I think, very probably the very most difficult part. Um, Northwest Arkansas, believe it or not, has 
in previous years kind of consistently made the top five lists of places to live. So it's really a booming area and we, we just don't have enough places uh, for people to live, frankly, um, in terms of residences and commercial property. Um, we're, I mean, it's fortunate, yes, that people want to come here, but it's also driving the real estate prices through the roof right now um, and making it a little bit less affordable um, as a place to live. So looking for commercial property was really challenging. And at the time, you know, I was trying to make cheese in, in a city, which now I realize you know, why most people don't do that. <laughs> but I was not a farm set operator. Um, my, you know, my mom's side of the family was in um, farming, but not dairy farming. And she wanted to get, I think, as far away as possible from that. So I grew up, you know, in the bustling city of Hot Springs, Arkansas. Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up on a farm and I didn't have that experience um, or that background. And so I knew that I didn't, I didn't want to be a farmstead cheesemaker. And really there was nobody in Arkansas at the time that was hauling milk um, from a farm other than really like Dairy Farmers America. And, and that was it. So it was, it was a little bit of a challenging puzzle to put together. And somewhere along the way, I had the epiphany, you know, the business plan was always step one, make cheese, step two, sell cheese. And then I realized, well, you don't have to make the cheese to sell the cheese. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, pivoted and um, turned it into what it is now. So Sweet Freedom Creamery became Sweet Freedom Cheese. And um, we opened at the 8th Street Market in 2018. So again, a, a very circuitous path to get here. And kind of even in between then, I realized when we pivoted, I had all this great knowledge that uh, is wonderful for cheese making but I didn't know as much about cheesemongering. And so again, got my hands on a bunch of books. Um, some friends let me kind of come and monger um, as a guest and learn things. And a lot of wonderful people in the cheese industry let me pick their brains. And I visited a lot of, slept on a lot of couches, visited a lot of cheese shops and um, came back and kind of did the design and, and Shazam, here we are, Arkansas's first cut to order shop. So it was, it was a long journey, but here we are. And I think, you know, there's different paths for people to take, but, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade anything for the, the long path that I took to get here because it's really, I think about the journey and acquired so much just interesting knowledge and met so many wonderful people along the way that have, have really helped us um, survive. That's, that's a great story. And also like a pulmonary embolism, like, wow. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, they were like, oh, you're all right, kid, you know, just, uh, sleep it off and um yeah I, it, it definitely was was kind of unusual it's like 26 at the time so it uh it but still I, I think in that in that moment I really knew you know like oh yeah you can totally die not that I didn't have an understanding of mortality at all but um I think if anything it it just um heightened my terror that I was gonna die miserable kind of you know doing something that I was unhappy doing um, and not that I was bad at it. I had a wicked case of imposter syndrome for sure, but, um, but it was, yeah, it's not, not my one true love for sure. And um, yeah, for better or worse, all that led, led us here. I mean, if something is going to lead you to cheese, I guess uh, that is one way of doing it for sure. <laughs> um, so speaking of being the first uh, cut to order cheese case, in Arkansas, like what kind of logistical challenges have you faced in that realm? Yeah. So property, as I mentioned, um, was, was definitely a big one, just finding, finding property in Northwest Arkansas, especially at that time. Uh, I mean, there were just no 
almost no storefronts available. They were building as fast as they possibly could. And a lot of it just wasn't really suitable for sticking a cheese shop in. Um, uh, a Street Market is where we are. They're actually a, a food centered um, hub of, of really interesting things happening. And it was, it was designed to be kind of a culinary center. So we're very fortunate to, to be surrounded by other um, really neat food food focused businesses and also the, the community college, culinary college here, Brightwater. Uh, and they've been an incredible resource to you. So whenever we found the correct location for us, um, all the puzzles kind of puzzle pieces started falling in place. But we were, you know, especially in the beginning, very isolated. And um, that, that was tough. You know, there was, again, no you know, no place that I could go and just work and learn how to be a cheesemonger um, other than leaving the state and, um, it, you know, just kind of getting into the cheese world and making friends and, and all of that was, you know, initially seeming a little difficult. I feel like now there's a lot of resources, of course, but, um, but in the beginning, yeah, there, it felt like a lot of isolation. Um, but, I'm, you know, I'm so thankful for everyone who very generously spent time and energy talking to me and, you know, really introducing me into the cheese world and just giving me the tools and the knowledge to, to succeed in, in what we're doing here. Um, also, you know, one of the challenges was certainly infrastructure, um, even from a distribution standpoint, we, we really had to create a lot of that and, and really seek it out because we're in a little bit of an isolated place. A lot of distributors just don't come here. And I, you know, even, even, and our, our local Whole, Food, Whole Foods, Cross Docks, and other states to bring in products. And that's just something we're not able to do as a, you know, as a small little cheese shop. So we had to kind of create a lot of that. And um, it, you know, it's all panned out. But, but it was kind of challenging. It was a lot of research in the beginning to make sure all of, all of the pieces fit and, and made sense. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know if, I mean, in a way it's a challenge, but in, a, in another way, it's kind of um, an opportunity. We are in a place where, there's not, not a lot of trained cheesemongers that just are here that you can hire and they, they know all the things about the cheese. Um, so we, we, in the beginning, of course, had to just kind of hire people that were interested in food. And that's really continued for us, just people who are excited, um, have made the best cheesemongers, essentially. So, you know, it's a, it was a challenge and we were very lucky to have a couple of um, wonderful cheese people in the industry who, who had found their way to Northwest Arkansas and were living here for a period of time. And um, Pat Pawlowski was one, of course, cheese science extraordinaire. And then um, Maddie Ward as well, who um, did cheese education for Antonelli's. So they were so generous in the beginning with their time and really just assured us we were on the right track. Um, they, they were so, so wonderful to have for the support um, and a wealth of knowledge. But really, I think um, maybe the most heartening was they, they were like, you're doing it right. It's, it's okay. Don't, don't freak out. This is, this is normal. You're, you're doing all the things. Um, and that was great to hear from people who, you know, really looked up to. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of, like I said, been, been an opportunity for us to, to, to train our cheesemongers, but it's, it's been, um, you know, uh, it was, yeah, it's, it's a blessing in that we can kind of convey the, the level of knowledge that we really want to, because, being the first cheese shop here, we we were able to kind of set some standards. So so that was nice for us because we didn't necessarily have a lot of competition that people were comparing us to. Um, but that also 
movement that I felt like we really needed to hold ourselves to the highest standards possible um, to really introduce something wonderful to the area. And, and that included our cheese miners having a really great knowledge base. Um, so that's very important to us that, that we have a lot of in-house training. Honestly, I would say that probably a lot of cheese shop owners would say that teaching cheesemongers is sometimes easier than having some of us old guard come in and be like, we know what we're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, everybody has knowledge to share. And um, that was something that I definitely took from my, you know, my previous uh, career in engineering, which was, um, you know, everybody has something to offer and everybody has knowledge. And so, um, yeah, newer olds, I don't have all the answers, certainly. And um, some of our folks who have, you know, just come in and maybe don't know a lot about cheese have still had some really brilliant ideas that um, we've been able to employ. So, so yeah, yeah, I can, I can see both sides of that coin for sure. Um, so you opened in 2018. Yeah. And then this little global pandemic kind of hit us, you know, in 2020. Um, so can you talk about how that affected um, where sweet freedom, where sweet freedom cheese was in that moment and kind of what happened over that time. Yeah. Um, we, we had opened in 2018. So we had essentially kind of one year and a few months under our belts, uh, of trying to figure everything out. And of course the pandemic hit and it, it shut everything down here. We, we had the first few cases that hit it kind of mid-March and a, a lot of measures were you know taken immediately um, but really things didn't peak in terms of cases for the first wave here until December or January so kind of from March till then um, we, we were trying to figure things out as quickly as possible and I'm definitely a problem solver and I try to try to solve all the problems so we we didn't hang around too long in trying to see if things were going to change very quickly. We just kind of immediately took action in the things that we could see. So one of the things like most states is that restaurants were shut down and we lost all of our wholesale customers that were um, essentially shut down as well. We were doing you know, events at the time, like a lot of places, we were doing platters and you know, catering. And of course that was all completely shut down too with um, events. We of course, you know, we we saw some losses in vendors who just didn't really pull through the pandemic as well. Um, so d- definitely a lot of you know things that were were terrible and kind of immediate. We we also have a tiny dining room. Um, we're about 800 square feet, but the market space that we're in is significantly larger. Um, but our space is fairly small, and our dining room is about a third of that. And it also doubled as a classroom. So we essentially shut down our dining room and classroom as well and um, converted that into dry storage and kind of an employee place um, to get away. And we shifted, um, you know, after maybe just a few weeks of, of that, we, we saw that there's no kind of ter- immediate turnaround. And so we've permanently closed our dining room. Um, we offer all of our foods essentially to go right now, but we started doing curbside like most places do. Um, and then we started doing virtual classes, which um, were really, were really great. Um, our community really wanted things to do and wanted to support us. And so we would have kits that people would pick up and uh, we had some partner locations with that as well. 
and we started doing virtual classes. And what was really neat about the virtual classes is that we were able to access people from all around the world, frankly, um, you know, winemakers and cheesemakers that we normally wouldn't have access to. And I think that's something that's going to continue as a trend. Um, we, you know, we also saw a breakdown in the distribution chain, like most people did. Of course, costs uh, of all sorts of things went up, not just cheese, but, you know, finding things that you need for proper food safety. So, you know, sanitizer and gloves and all that was in, you know, very short supply. And when you could find it, it was about triple the price. So, you know, we, we had to shift some of that. And, and I think that was beneficial though in the long run too, because then you've always got um, some backup suppliers to your backup suppliers to your backup suppliers. Um, sadly, we also, you know, we, we certainly, like I think a lot of places had um, folks that were near and dear to us that um, were lost to COVID. And, um, you know, some of those were friends and family and some of those were uh, customers and our customers' friends and families. Um, and some, so some of that has really affected us kind of directly just from a human standpoint. So it's been, of course, a priority for us to keep our customers safe and to keep our employees safe. It's not really be doing anything that would make um, I, you know, either of those subsets of people uncomfortable too. Um, yeah, so those are kind of the, the downers, but the, you know, the bright side, like I said, um, if, if we you know, can look at them, was that we, we again, we, we did curbside and we um, pushed ourselves to online classes, but we also... Um, <laughs> much insistence to our customers who really wanted this. Um, we finally had the time to put together um, a, an inventory list uh, so people could, uh, you know, some of our older customers especially could see that online and they could call us. Um, we even had people that would print it off and bring it to us, which was so <laughs> sweet. Um, but also we started putting some things online and, uh, and doing, yeah, a little bit, little bit of that initially, but now it's a, a big portion of our business. Um, all still pick up currently. Um, but it's been, um, it's been an integral part of the business going forward. And it was something that we always wanted to do, but um, didn't necessarily have the initiative to do. Um, we uh, also, I think, um, came up with some clever things as many, many places did for um, online, I mean, for, for distancing, for social distancing and kind of individual things. Um, so obviously we weren't doing platters for lots of people um, as people were not gathering and we didn't want to encourage that either. So we were kind of coming up with other, other solutions to that and lots of businesses and organizations and, you know, even friends were, were wanting to get together virtually and do something, um, you know, for their, for each other or for their employees. And so, we, we started doing more of those types of um, gatherings and classes and, um, you know, snack boxes and such. And also where, you know, in the beginning, I don't know if it was for you guys as well, but here, you know, milk was in short supply and even kind of the major, major grocery stores and uh, bread was supply, you know, short supply, people couldn't find certain things. And so we had access to, you know, local milk and local bread. So we started putting together pantry boxes for people with those, those kind of food supplies, staple supplies in them. Um, and it also let us kind of introduce people to interesting cheeses that maybe, you know, needed to be moved. Um, and we've continued doing that because it's so much fun. So people can certainly find milk and bread in grocery stores now, but we're able to feature those partners um, who are local to us and, and also kind of feature some interesting and fun things um, to folks who want to continue distancing or, you know, kind of continue supporting us as well. And, and that leads me to, I think um, part of uh, us sustaining and our, our success of surviving 
giving has been through partnering with other, uh, you know, small businesses as well. And I always like to say and remind myself too, you know, high tides rise all boats. Um, and the, you know, the cheese community is, is small, but we're very small here. And, you know, same thing with small businesses. Um, you know, they don't have all the same resources as, uh, as some of the larger companies do. And, and so, you know, even small little partnerships um, might not seem like they make a big difference on the grand scale, but they, they really, I think, can, um, especially... Uh, in times like this. So, so we've really been fortunate to be able to be connected with some of those um, other small businesses in our community and other organizations that really um, are trying to champion small businesses too. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that um, uh, it's funny because my husband works for a distributor and he actually was just in my, this is my office that I'm in right now, but he was just in my office and he needed to grab some gloves because he was chopping up a habanero and uh, he was like, whoa, you have all these gloves in here. <laughs> He's like, these things are so expensive now. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm not giving those away to anybody. They're staying here. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're a precious commodity for sure. Yeah. Um, so uh, Arkansas isn't really seen as being maybe a cheese savvy place because like you said, you know, there isn't like a whole lot. Um, so what kind of things have you done to engage your customers, um, who might be kind of scared of fancy cheese or might be intimidated by a cut to order cheese case? Like, how do you approach that situation? Yeah. Um, so of course we really didn't know how things were going to pan out. I, I had been kind of beating the, um, the sweet freedom cheese drum for a couple of years, obviously before we opened and I was teaching classes at the time and lots of people were ready to eat cheese. Um, so we kind of had a following to begin with, but when we opened the door, just, we had no idea what to expect, but we've had really a loyal following of people, um, which really, you know, without them, we, we wouldn't exist. And kind of to attract people, we are in, fortunately, like I said, this culinary hub, which is just neat in its own right. And we're next door to uh, the Momentary, which is a world-class um, modern art museum and Crystal Bridges just down the road. So we do, you know, pre- pre-COVID, we did see a lot of people that would just kind of wander in um, because it was something interesting to do. And of course that kind of went away as people stopped traveling. Um, but we've begun to see that a little bit bit more as people are getting out, um, you know, and are feeling a little bit safer now. Um, but we, we definitely try to attract people by letting them know that we have something for everyone. I've definitely tried to impart that, that we're not, you know, we, we certainly absolutely do have wonderful artisanal handmade small batch cheeses, but we do carry other really quality cheeses as well that you would say cook with. Um, and, and really a price point for everyone. We try very hard to have a great variety of cheeses from you know, all around the world um, at, at great prices too. And we, yeah, we, we definitely try to impart that we have great customer service. So, you know, it's a, it's a risky business model as people really want to order things from their phone and the comfort of their homes and have it delivered by drone. But, you know, we're a little bit different in that people have to kind of come and talk to us and tell us what they like and what they don't like. And sometimes people obviously don't know. So that try before you buy model has been, you know, helpful to be able to, to kind of introduce people to weird or interesting things. And, and also the educational aspect of our mongers being able to of intricately describe what a cheese is going to taste like. Um, so, so yeah, we, we really, really make it a point to give stellar customer service and make people feel welcome. You know, if they can't pronounce the weird cheese names, we're, we're not going to shame them for it. Um, and, and we, we want them to feel like that they're family and that they can come back. 
Um, and we definitely do make it a point to, you know, just like any cheese shop, uh, remember our customers. And, and I think just kind of including them as part of our extended cheese family um, just helps, helps a lot of the word of mouth that happens when people come and they bring their friends and they say, you know, oh, I want you to see this really cool place, um, which feels really wonderful. And then also kind of circling back to that small business partnership too. So where we can give back to our community and we can also make partnerships with um, organizations in our community. Um, of course, that, you know, that's something that we just want to do um, for something Gouda in our hearts. Uh, that's just the kind of kind of people we are here. But also, you know, the benefit of that too is that it helps us kind of get our name out there to, to different, different folks in the community who, you know, may not independently come to us for, for fancy cheese. I'll also say we make a really mean grilled cheese. And so <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that also brings people to us who, um, who don't think that they're gonna enjoy, enjoy cheeses or maybe they're intimidated by it, but we get them hooked on, you know, just an awesome plain grilled cheese. And then it opens up their mind to, oh, well, this isn't so intimidating, it's just delicious. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get one of those delicious grilled cheeses while I was there. So, you know, I have never considered our the Danish, which is a um, we call that because it's a it's like a cherry cheese Danish where it has local fromage blanc um, and that sour cherry jam. And I've never considered it, as you put it, a breakfast grilled cheese, <laughs> but I'm totally it's changed my life. Like, oh, but you can have grilled cheese for breakfast. <laughs> Absolutely, you can. I mean, it's no different than a croissant or an actual Danish. I mean, really, <laughs> it's just warm and melty. It's great. I love it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so how has the community support been in your area? Yeah, I think, I think you know, good. Um, We've, we've definitely had a lot of people, you know, stick with us and, and stay with us through COVID, really wanting to show our support. Um, but, but it's tough, you know, and it continues to be tough. And it's, it's hard to predict, obviously, what people want and what people need, but we try to be responsive to that. And like I said, it's, it's easier, certainly, to, to purchase things, um, you know, on Instacart and have it delivered and such, and we just aren't big enough to do that kind of thing. Um, so we're really appreciative of, of our customers that continue to order from us, um, but just trying to, to make it as easy as possible um, on them, whether if that's, you know, them looking at our inventory list and calling us or emailing us with orders. Um, and we, you know, our, our next probably big step is to join the rest of the world with online shopping. Um, but you know, for, for small, for small little businesses like us, it's, it's a big endeavor to put as many SKUs as we have, you know, several hundred cheeses and, um, many hundreds of other little products, uh, that go along with that online. And then to try and keep up with that in inventory kind of manually at this point, um, it's a real task and it's, it's something that we, we look forward to doing, <laughs> but we're just not quite there yet. Yeah. I honestly think though, too, that, um, when we're kind of getting back into, let's say normal times, if, and when that ever happens. Um, but I think that people are going to be more responsive to, uh, really good customer service and going somewhere for an experience. So I, I think that while, you know, we're going to have these online services forever, but I also feel like people are going to be really, they're going to really want that special touch. So. 
good. I love, I love your optimism. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping. I mean, yeah. I feel like providing good customer service is one of those things. It's going to be such a special thing because it's not something like, yeah, you can just order your groceries online, but when you get to go in and actually talk to someone and get that special experience, I think people are going to want, they're going to be craving that, you know? I'm with you. I, I think so too. I think, you know, people, people have been cooped up and um, kind of looking for, for different experiences. And as folks get out a little bit more now, of course, we're, we're kind of like ground zero for the Delta. And so that's been really challenging here because we had maybe, you know, two weeks of what we thought was going to be, you know, relief of something awesome to come. And then, you know, we got hit pretty hard and that's starting to, to go, you know, back down again, fingers crossed, toes crossed. Um, you know, but, uh, but just holding my breath at this point, we're trying, like I said, to stay optimistic and to problem solve and um, to be right by everybody. But, um, you know, just planning, planning for the, (laughs) planning for the worst, I guess. And then, you know, if we expect the best, then that's great too. Um, The other thing locally that's happening for us is that we are officially now um, an entertainment district, which means that you can have a glass of wine or beer and walk around 8th Street Market um, and you can take food kind of wherever you'd like. But currently it's been, you know, alcohol has to stay where it's permitted. And when we shut down our dining room, um, that shut down essentially our, our wine and was very sad for many people who were upset that they couldn't have, you know, a glass of wine with their cheese plate. So that, um, you know, from a financial standpoint and from, I think, an enjoyment standpoint of our customers um, is going to be um, something, you know, for us to look forward to. Of course, that'll come with all of its own challenges as well, but um, we'll just kind of uh, kind of roll with that as well and see how it is. Um, so those are kind of the things that we foresee coming, at least maybe in the next couple of months. And of course, the holiday season is nearly upon us already. So we're just kind of bracing ourselves for that and, um, you know, uh, filling ourselves with holiday glee. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even believe that it's already like September. Oh yeah. It's, it's wild. All right. You ready for the speed round? Okay. Yes. I've been trying not to think about them. It's not really a speed round. Take your time, but they're just the questions that I ask every, well, I try to ask. Sometimes I forget trying to remember more. Um, but what is your current cheese crush? You know, I'm, I'm really fickle and my crush is always like the newest thing, right? Like, Ooh, what's the new hot cheese. <laughs> so it's really just whatever we got in last. Um, I, you know, anything that's like goopy and goaty, I'm really into. Um, so Mary goat round has been like a really ripe Mary goat round has really been, um, my latest crush, but we just got in some doling for the first time from Boxcar um, yesterday, and oh, it was pretty good. So I, my fickle heart, you know, like ooh, I got a new a new melty goat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, crushes are meant to just be a quick thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what is your favorite cheese pairing? Mm, you know, please don't hold this against me. My my like stand answer to this I'll give is um yay toast and apples um I, I just have this like wild fascination with yay toast and um it's such a weird cheese and I actually I made it um when I was you know trying to trying to hack it out as a 
cheesemaker here. Um, and it's just, I think it's so interesting to turn essentially what's a waste product into something really delicious. So I really tried to impart on folks here in Arkansas about how delicious yay toast is. Um, we like caramel down here. And so I'm just like, it's cheese caramel. Um, so that's, that's kind of my standard answer. But, um, but recently we, uh, I've got some delicious jams and marmalades from um, Kansas City Candy Company, and they have a, um, a Clementine Thyme marmalade that I just want to like slather all over my face. And it's good with everything, but it's particularly good with um, something kind of goaty. So some Vermont Creamy Coupole and that is just like oh, a bite of sunshine. So I've been kind of in, in love with that a little bit lately. Delightful. Um, and I would never, ever judge you for loving Yetos because I, I love it also. Like, uh, one of the counters I worked at, we would, you know, we would buy the little blocks and I accidentally got a wheel of it. And so I was like, whatever, we'll just sell it. And people went nuts for it. And like, we sold so much of it and like, yeah, people were like, what is this Brown stuff? It's weird. And then we'd taste it out to them. And either people were like, Oh, I don't know about this. Or they were like, give me that. But we ended up selling so much of it. It was great. Yeah. That's Big good. fan myself. Well, I'm, I'm glad. It's very controversial. <laughs> <laughs> so I definitely appreciate. Yeah. Appreciate that. Uh, so best cheese memory. And it doesn't necessarily have to be about eating cheese. It could just be about like visits that you've taken or, you know, anything that revolves around the cheese world. Yeah, it's it's honestly hard, like you said, to pick one. There's so many cool, cool cheesy things, especially you know, as you're away from them and you look back and like, get a little wistful. But I think I think kind of my my number one always um, is eating Harbison for the first time. I was uh, taking that cheese class at Sterling, and we we got to um, you know go to Jasper Hill and and look at that, and you know Mateo's out on the front lawn waxing on about things. And uh, yeah, it was just, it was a beautiful moment with all these people who just love cheese. And we had this beautiful cheese spread before us of all these lovely Jasper Hill cheeses. And I, I had never even, I mean, Harbison was not in Arkansas at that time at all. I mean, just didn't, didn't exist. And so I'd never seen anything quite like it and uh, had it. And I can just remember essentially time kind of standing still. It's like, holy holy mackerels holy cow you know this is what artisan cheese can taste like and and this is definitely what I want to do so it's something that yeah crystallized in in my heart and mind and um every time yeah every time I I you know bite into some harvesting I think about about it um so I love that I think that a lot of people um Jasper Hill has created those moments for a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm sure this is a story, you know, told by many cheese people um, in, in just a slightly different fashion, right? But yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, in terms of, in terms of just uh, eating the cheese and being an eye-opener to, to creating those educational opportunities, I think has been um, really, really amazing. And they're doing, doing a great job of that. They've changed the face of our industry. That's for sure. So. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, um, those are all the questions that I have. Is there anything in particular that you feel like people should know about sweet freedom cheese? Mm, you know, if you make your way to Arkansas, come and see us. Uh, we would love, love to have some cheese 
friends drop by. Um, you know, we're not always on everybody's regular regular path, um, but we do have some cool things in Northwest Arkansas. Um, and also love to, I'm very remiss in doing this, but love to, whether if it makes it to the final cut or not, give a shout out to my husband um, who is a lactose intolerant, um, you know, hard cheese lover. And, but really without him, um, you know, and, and his support, this would have never, ever happened. Uh, you know, he, he was very supportive, um, um, you know, emotionally, mentally, like, yeah, go do that thing, lady. Um, but uh, really just let it be mine. And, and then cheesy dreams that I had, but really without that, you know, we, we would definitely be destitute and homeless <laughs> without, you know, his support and, and um, yeah, letting me kind of create something here in Arkansas. Um, I've, I've, one of the things that I, I still am working at and not doing a good job of is finding some sort of work-life balance because I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people, regardless of whatever industry they're in, um, if they just have a passion for it, can let it become obsessive. And, and I think especially business owners that are kind of of this, where we're very high touch too, and you know, I'm wearing like all, all of the hats in the world that I could be wearing. And yeah, it's, it's still hard for me to kind of figure out how to, to not be cheese all the time. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's definitely something I'm working on. I, I wake up thinking about cheese. I go to bed thinking about cheese and kind of every, every time in between, but he's been very patient with me uh, being completely cheese obsessed for the last uh, almost 10 years. <laughs> so <laughs> throwing him a little shout out. That's nice. I mean, we all need those partnerships because I, I don't even own a shop and I'm the same way. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always nice to have someone in your life, whether it's a friend or a partner or somebody that you can just reach out to. And, and he knows very little about cheese. Um, you know, so sometimes people assume like, Oh, he's your business partner. No, no, he, he absolutely only wants to know minimal things about, um, anything, you know, dairy related other than maybe this five-year Gouda is delicious. Um, so it's been really, it's been really lovely to have folks in the industry that I can reach out to and, you know, have those um, kind of professional partnerships and friendships with where we can kind of download, download all the things. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me and I'll let you get back to your busy day. Well, we appreciate you and I hope you have a great weekend. such a treat to visit the shop and Jessica and her team welcomed me with open arms and grilled cheese. They've created something so special and I wish them nothing but continued success. Thank you, Jessica, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out with me. I would be remiss if I failed to mention the recent loss in our industry of Pat Pulowski at CheeseScience.org. The pain has been palpable throughout the cheese channels, and I know that this loss is one that will be felt for a long time. September is Suicide Prevention Month, and if you or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. This podcast is recorded, produced, and edited by me, Janae Muha. Thank you to Ben Muha for allowing me to use your music. To support the show, please find me on Instagram and Facebook at The Mobile Monger. For cool extras and to financially support the continuation of this podcast, please consider contributing to my Patreon. Thanks for listening, and remember to keep spreading the word of good curd.